Welcome to the Passion City Church DC ExtraCast. This is a special session for the Son of God series where Pastor Ben and John sit down to discuss pivotal moments in the life of Jesus that aren't covered on Sunday mornings. If you'd like to read the Gospel of Mark along with us, download our reading plan at passion.link mark. Today's episode covers Mark chapter 7, verse 24 through chapter 8, verse 26. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in the bed and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears, and after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. In those days, when again a crowd had gathered and they had nothing to eat, he called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the crowd, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from far away. And his disciples answered him, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? And he asked them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. And he directed the crowd to sit down on the ground. And he took the seven loaves, and having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. And they set them before the crowd. And they had a few small fish. And having blessed them, he said that these also should be set before them. And they ate and were satisfied. And they took up the broken pieces left over, seven baskets full. And there were about four thousand people. And he sent them away. And immediately he got into the boat with his disciples and went to the district of Dalmanutha. The Pharisees came and began to argue with him seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, Why does this generation seek a sign? Truly I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. And he left them, got into the boat again, and went to the other side. Now they had forgotten to bring bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. 
and they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes do you not see, and having ears do you not hear? And do you not remember, when I broke the five loaves for the five thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, Twelve. And the seven for the four thousand, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? And they said to him, Seven. And he said to them, Do you not understand? And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought to him a blind man and begged him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had spit on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, saying, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he opened his eyes. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Well, hey, Ben. Hey, buddy. <laughs> there is, uh, there's a lot going on here. Yes. There's a lot going on in this passage, uh, and I'm not going to act like I understand everything that's going on in this passage. We've got uh, Jesus uh, uh, curing a woman's daughter of a demon seemingly yeah. after she gets a theology test right or a, a riddle right. Call, calls her a dog. <laughs> yeah. Calls her a dog. Uh, Jesus heals a deaf man with a wet willy, <laughs> something like that. Uh, we, we, we've got uh, the feeding of the 5,000 run back, yep. the sequel. Yeah, uh, We've got Pharisees mad. We've got the disciples still not getting it. Yeah. We've got another <laughs> moment with Jesus saliva. Uh, and all the while, uh, we've got Jesus kind of trying to keep it on the down low yeah. this whole time. Yeah. And so, I mean, set the stage for us you, where we're coming in and, and, and just kind of what's going on in this kind of section. Yeah. It's a great question, man. I'll, I'll do, um, we'll zoom out and look at the forest and then zoom in on the trees. Right. It's actually kind of cool. Um, the simplest way to break up the book of Mark is to think of it in two halves. So you could look at it that way and say it's 16 chapters. Chapter eight is the middle and and kind of the, it's the high point of the first section. So it'd be like where you would put intermission uh, if you were doing this as a play. Right. And the first half of Mark one through eight is really answering the question, who is Jesus? Who is this guy? And Mark tells us right at the beginning, he's like, this is the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. Like, he lets the reader know that's who this mm-hmm. is. But then in these first several chapters, we watch everyone else trying to figure that out. And they're just watching what he does and like, who is this man that the winds and waves <laughs> obey him? Who right, teaches right. with this kind of authority? Like, they're trying to figure out who he is. And then it climaxes in Peter identifying him, you are the Messiah. And then God identifying him, that's my son. And so that's sort of the big crescendo. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then you take a break. And then uh, that happens in chapter eight. And then from eight on to the end of the book, it's not who is this man? He is the Messiah. It's what's his work? What's he here to do? Hmm. Because Jesus begins to break down. I'm not the kind of Messiah you expect. Hmm. I'm here to serve and I'm here to suffer. And you get him journeying to Jerusalem. And then you get the, the big section of him in Jerusalem his crucifixion, burial, right, and resurrection. Right. So those are the two halves. Yeah. And where we are right now is this is 
the end of act one. This is the end of the first half. This is his last time in Galilee. And what's wild about this section, everything you just read is um, it is him in Gentile territory, which is rare for Jesus. This is Jesus among the Gentiles. And we are going to see some repeated themes, but him pressing into some stuff. So this is kind of a cool section. I'm excited to look at it together. Um, but to, to catch us up, just to get us to that uh-huh. first part, you know, um, Mark one through three is the kickstart of his ministry in Galilee, that northern region of of uh, Israel. Mm-hmm. He's healing, he's teaching, picking up fans, getting detractors. Chapter four, he tells the parables. This is what the kingdom's like. Chapter five, he displays that power and authority, mm-hmm. he's casting out demons, calming the storms, raising a kid from the dead. Chapter six, you get all these reactions to him. His hometown doesn't know what to do with him. The disciples are on board. They're his apostles now. Politicians like Herod care more about their power than the truth. Uh, and then you get him demonstrating to the masses through the feeding of the 5,000, I am the Messiah, shepherd, king the Old Testament is talking about. That's his yeah. biggest public display. Yeah. And then it ends with what your brother covered last week, which is um, the Pharisees rejecting him yeah. and pushing him. And so now where we land here is he is walking from the Pharisees. Uh, so hmm. he's trying to do two things. Right. Yeah, Remember yeah. the whole feeding of the 5,000, he was trying to get a way to teach the disciples and mm-hmm. people kept finding it. <laughs> and then now he's facing rejection in the nation. Yeah. So now you see him walking away from that rejection further north, the furthest north he's going to get. Right. He's trying to teach his disciples. And in this first part, he gets interrupted. Right away. <laughs> right away. Right away. It's like, it goes there. He's trying to not be found, but they found him. <laughs> yeah. So Tyre and Sidon, I mean, this is, Gentile territory. These are not Jewish people. Yeah. And he shows up and, and, you know, covering this first story, it's a bit enigmatic. So it's Jesus among the Gentiles now. And the first story is confusing to a lot of people. Like he's trying to get away. It says he enters the house and he didn't want anyone to know where he was. And yet immediately this woman comes in and falls down at his feet and says, will you cast out an unclean spirit for my daughter? And, And you look at this and Jesus' response just sounds cold-hearted. I mean, he's like, hey, I'm trying to feed the kids. I can't be feeding dogs. Yeah. You're like, dang, bro. Like, is, <laughs> yeah. what is Am that? I reading this right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're like, I don't like this, Jesus. Yeah. Um, what is going on here? Well, there's two ways to interpret it. There, there's like the narrow view and then a broader view. Mm-hmm. So just trying to give you some interpretive options. The narrow view is um, the children are the disciples. That Jesus is saying, look, I am trying to train my disciples because I'm going to die soon and I need to get this message into my people so they can spread it. Yeah, so, yeah. so I'm trying to teach these guys. I got interrupted before. I came out here. Y'all found me here. Like, I, I'm, I, This is important for the world right. that I commission these men. And she kicks in the door of this house. Like She enters the house and he's yeah. like, look... I want to do this. That's that first. He's like, I got to feed the kids first. So right. he kind of tips mm. like, there's food for you, but the priorities are off. Like you want to get healed. Everyone wants healing. I'm trying to teach these guys. So some people look at it narrowly like that. Yeah. The children are these disciples and the dogs, you lady. And it is because you're a Gentile. Yeah. Uh, the Jews sometimes called Gentiles dogs. This is not the word for wild dog. It's the diminutive form. So you can almost translate it puppies. So it's maybe a little less mean, <laughs> yeah. but he's still yeah, sure. like, hey, this, what you want is part two. Uh huh. Yeah. Some people pull the lens out wider and go, no, this isn't just the disciples and her. He is telling the bigger story of 
the good news of Jesus comes first to the Jew yeah, and then to the, the Gentile. Gentile. Like Paul will talk about that a lot. Yeah. God chose the Jewish people in the Old Testament. And he tells them, it's not because you were bigger than any of the nations. You weren't. Weren't because you had more of a heart for me. I just chose you to be my kingdom of priests to the world. So mm-hmm. my blessing was always meant to go to the world. It's always meant to go to the ethnos, the Gentiles. But, but it had to come first to you guys and then to them. And so some people think that's what he's doing here. Is he's saying, mm-hmm. look, I, I've got to feed them first right. and then it'll come to you. Right. But even if that's, you know, either way you take that, which I honestly think it's a mix of both. I think it's the narrow and the wide in terms of he's saying, I've got to teach my official kingdom of priests here. Yeah. And what you want is a secondary matter. But uh, she gives this awesome response. He uses this metaphor of, uh, I got to feed the kids for the dogs. And she's like, yeah, but the puppies are at the table and they still get to eat. And uh, <laughs> he's like, yeah. All yeah, right. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. So to wrap up this first yeah. part, you go, okay, why is this story here? Um, I don't think it's for Mark to put in like this pejorative about Jesus. Like, you know, Jesus, sometimes he's a little racist. Like, I don't <laughs> think that's the point. Right, right. Uh, I think this is the beginning of all these stories we looked at are Jesus pressing his message out into Gentile territory. I do think he's kind of setting this up. Some people see that as um, Jesus allows for interruption, or some of them think maybe he's even playing, you can't say devil's advocate, but he's sort of setting up these questions for her to give the right answer. Mm -hmm. And their their evidence for that is the story right before this. Um, Do you remember the Pharisees, the religious elite, come to Jesus and criticize him and his disciples, saying, you're eating with unclean hands because y'all aren't ritually cleaning yourself. And Jesus is like... It's not about that. And then Mark gives this side note to non-Jews who wouldn't be familiar. He's like, Jesus just declared all foods clean. Mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. that ceremonial external religion doesn't make you clean before God. Yeah. And, uh, and then Jesus says, you know what really defiles you? It's not the outside. It's what's out of your heart. And he's yeah. condemning the Pharisees, the most religious of the Jewish people. You are defiled. You're mm-hmm. unclean. The clean person is the one who has a heart for me. And then the very next story is a woman that externally, it's a woman who's a Gentile and her daughter has an unclean spirit. So she is like externally fully unclean. Right, right. And yet her heart, she doesn't get mad when he calls her dog. She doesn't unclip her earrings. You don't know me. Like she doesn't get mad at Jesus. She just goes, yeah, but you could feed me from your table. Hmm. There's a humility there. Right. There's a belief in his power and ability to save. And so some people think this is a test. And the last piece of evidence is because what's going to happen next is the feeding of the, or in a minute, it's the feeding of the 4,000. They're still in Gentile territory. Right. So the same Messiah who feeds the bread to the children of the 5,000 feeds the bread to the Mm 4,000 Gentiles. And you're like, that was always the plan. Yeah. But all through this text, you saw it when we read it. Jesus is doing stuff to test his disciples. Right. Did you not understand about the loaves? Do you not understand yet? Are you guys not picking up on this? Mm-hmm. So some people think this was Jesus doing an object lesson. You can't say for sure because it doesn't state that directly, right. but there's some evidences to think maybe that's the case. And it's just even interesting, you, you, you know, you're pointing out her response, like the words she starts with in response are, yes, Lord. <laughs> yeah. It's like right away, there's, there's that humility, but there's, you are Lord. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're who I'm looking to. Yeah, she's uh, got the externals wrong. Right. She's from the wrong country, wrong whatever. But uh, but what's going on in her but heart? The heart's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. And he commends that faith. Right. Yeah. And what, what's interesting too is, um, you know, there's the story of healing the deaf man, and then at the end, the blind man. Mm-hmm. 
Matthew, you know, who's following along with Mark, just summarizes this next part. I mean, he doesn't, he just like, and Jesus like healed a bunch of people in that area. <laughs> Mark is the only one who tells these two stories of the deaf and the blind. <laughs> and you go, what's he doing here? And the way he positions them. Well, remember before uh, when he told the parables, he was like, you have ears, but do you hear? Do you have eyes, but do you see? Yeah. And then he says it to his right. disciples later. The two. Yeah. <laughs> and while he's pulling away to train his disciples, you got a guy who's deaf and Jesus helps him hear. Like, can you hear me? And then at the end, you get this sight miracle of like, do you see me? Mm. And in the middle of that, he tells him, do you not, do you not hear yet? Right. Do you not see right. yet? So uh, a lot of commentators believe, because I think Mark is tipping the hands, this is him beginning the training of the 12 that you're going to see pick up in earnest on the way to Jerusalem. He's mm. trying to help them see um, I am the Messiah. I am the shepherd King. And it's, I'm not the people who get my blessing. Aren't the people you expect. Yeah. It's not everyone who has everything buttoned up externally. It's yeah. people who have a heart of faith in me. And so I think that's what those stories are doing. Yeah. Well, we get to the deaf man's kind of the second moment. He, they, they leave tire. Uh, they head to the Decapolis. Yeah. Um, we've got this death man. We've got, we've got the wet willy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that is, should I explain that? <laughs> yeah, I, I would, I would love for you to explain that. Yeah, two there's things a lot that. of saliva in yeah. this text. You know, it's funny because there's a lot of ancient, um, documentation of saliva being used in miracle stories okay. and being used in like a medicinal purpose at some level when you got nothing else available, you know, you don't okay. have a running water. Yeah. Yeah. And so, there's places for it to use in medicine and miracles and in other things. Yeah. There's a logic to it. This wouldn't have shocked ancient people as much. Like for us, we're like, ew, you know, but <laughs> for them, you're like, he's touching the areas where there's damage. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. putting his fingers in his ears because his ears are what's damaged. He's putting his saliva on his tongue because probably being deaf is messing with his ability to speech, yeah. giving the impediment. So Jesus is in a sense touching these areas that are broken. This is what Jesus does. I'm, let me put my hands on the hurt part. And as I do that, if you let me touch these parts, I I bring greater clarity to them. And again, I think it's physically, he does that to this guy, but it's also a metaphor of like, if you let me, I'll, I'll give you ears to hear and and then ultimately a mouth to speak about who God yeah. is and what he's done. Yeah. The last thing that's kind of, I think the reason why it's there, and they they kind of hat tip, hat tip it when they're like, he's doing all things well. It's a direct quote from Isaiah. Because Jesus, again, keeps dropping mm-hmm. the breadcrumbs. Like, mm-hmm. who do you think I am, guys? Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm the prophet Moses talked about that would shepherd the people in the wilderness. I'm have, you know, so Isaiah 35, talking about the day that the Messiah comes and the kingdom comes, it says, the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped, and they shall, the lame man will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute will sing for joy. Mm-hmm. And so Jesus is doing this like, Anybody got it yet? No. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's right. keep working. Yeah, and keep uh, going. He just keeps trying to let them know. Right. Uh, I'm not just a nice guy. I'm way more than that. Right. And in the middle of that too, and I don't. It happens again later on. Maybe you want to hit it there later on. But you know, he it, it says uh, it says um, they bring him the man, uh, and he takes him aside from the crowd privately. So he does this privately, and then when he's done, he says he charged him to tell no one. This happens again later in yeah. what we read. You know. Um, what is what's kind of going on with that? You yeah, know, I don't know if you want to get it to an hour later. But, no, that's but, great. Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing that when you read these stories in separation, you can be like, "Why is Jesus so weird about people not knowing he's healing people?" Yeah. But when you just 
again, pull the lens back and read. Yeah. You see in chapter one, he heals a couple people. And then what happens? The whole town's at the door. And then <laughs> they're like, everyone's looking for you. And he was like, I need to go preach about the kingdom. I have to explain to them what I'm doing. Yeah. And then it's like the crowds were, remember in chapter three, it says they were threatening to crush him because they brought mm-hmm. all their diseased. Mm-hmm. So people are just like, solve my problem. That's all that matters. And he was like, yeah. your problems matter, but I'm trying to solve a bigger problem. A bigger, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this mad rush to just touch the disease healer, I have compassion. I want to heal people. I healed a lot of people, but it has to serve the bigger narrative of I'm here to save your your soul and not right, just your right, body. Right, like right. I've got to train these 12 to deliver this message through the centuries. I've got a different priority set. And so a different timing, which is a good word for all of us to know that God cares. He loves you. Bring him your problems, but accept that he's wise enough to know the when and how. And so he sees these sick people and he's got a heart of compassion. Remember, it's like his guts, move. he cares mm-hmm, about people, mm-hmm. but he's also like, all right, dude, come here. Like, just uh, look, uh, brother. Okay, look, don't tell anybody. And then he tells everybody. And it's like, guys, we got to bail. Like, because yeah. suddenly the crowds come again. Right. And uh, so, you know, that's why he keeps trying to DL these healings. Uh, right. they're, they're messing up him training the 12. Which is interesting, too, because it's like, he, he he does it in private. He tells them not to tell anybody. Then he goes and tells, it says more people than if, it, it's almost like, it's as if it's yeah. making it even worse. You know, working. you're like. Yeah, yeah. doesn't work It's right. so fascinating. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So then, you know, we, we're we're back at uh, getting into chapter eight a little bit, and we'll touch on the four thousand. I've always found this super interesting. Yeah, getting into that of of the fact that, you know, we've got the five thousand. Flip the page. Mine is literally the next page. Four thousand. Yeah, <laughs> you're like, yeah, what's the deal? Okay, what's going on? Yeah. A very similar, you know, layout too. Yeah, but um, some differences. Yeah. So. A lot of it's the same. I mean, when you read them, a lot of it's really similar. Yeah. You go, okay. And it led some people to go like, is this just the same story in Mark got confused? You're like, no, because Jesus will explain why he did, you know, he'll he'll bring up both later. Um, the numbers are different. 12 baskets versus seven, different kinds of baskets, different amount of bread that he's working with. So there's some detail differences. Mm-hmm. But even that's maybe not the biggest emphasis. The biggest differences are location. Yeah. And the first one was in deeply yeah. Gentile territory and uh, people with strong uh, national ties, you know, they wanted to make him king. They, they, you know, John tells us, they recognize this is the prophet Moses told us about. Yeah. This is the king from Isaiah. Like they were connecting those dots. This is a mixed crowd ethnically, but I do think it's significant that Jesus is showing you again, he's just tipping his cards here. My message was always about more than just coming and being the savior of my people. God right. has a strategic plan for my people, but they're meant to be a kingdom of priests to the nations. That's why at the end, he was like, okay, now go forth to all the nations. Like that was always the plan. And I do think it's significant here that he feeds the bread to his children. And now here he is feeding the bread to the quote dogs. That was that was his intent. Hmm. The, the messianic blessings, which I think he literally fed them bread, but I think the metaphor too is that the blessings of the Messiah are not just for a certain ethnic group. They're not just for a certain class of people. Uh, They are for people who come to him with their need. Hmm. And that's what he's displaying before his disciples. Right. But then what's wild is he gets in the boat, goes back into Galilee. I mean, these are the last moments in Galilee and gets a totally different response from the people who of all people should be responding to him positively. Right, right, right. 
the Pharisees come and uh, demand a sign. Yeah. Which, you know, it's insulting on multiple levels. Like it's yeah. insulting, like in a comedian way of like, oh, you're a stand up, be funny. And you're like, dude, like, <laughs> I got three specials on Netflix. So don't tell me to be, I'm not going <laughs> right, to dance right. for you. I just you know? feel, yeah. Uh, and so some of it's that. Do a miracle, Jesus. But okay. it's it's deeper than that because they're saying, we'll prove you're the Messiah hmm. right now. And it's like, bro, hmm. I've healed people in every town in Galilee, literally. I fed thousands of them on the hillside here in Galilee. You do not lack information. Yeah. What you lack is inclination. Hmm. You don't want to believe. And that's what he gets into in that next part, which really should be one part. You know, uh, he gets out of the boat and they're like, prove it. And he's like, I'm not, no, I'm not doing that with you guys. Yeah. And then he was like, boys, back in the boat. And you see in verse 15, he gets in the boat and he cautions them and says, watch out, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Hmm. And he brings Herod back up, which is kind of weird because the Pharisees and Herod, not friends. Yeah. Herod was a Roman political appointee, had no problem insulting Jewish religious prerogatives. Uh, that was his deal. The Pharisees were the highest religious order in the land. So you go, these are not the same party. But Jesus lumps them together. Right. And he gets in the boat and was like, man, watch out for the leaven of these guys. And you go, what? If they're completely different in, in terms of their belief systems at some level, then what's the overlap? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because Herod came up during the feeding of the 5,000. Mm, yeah, yeah. And remember, Mark tells the story then, even though it happened earlier. What was Herod's deal? Herod knew that John the Baptist was holy and righteous, and it puzzled him, but he heard him gladly. He was like, this guy is saying things that are holy and righteous. That means they're from God. But Herod's priority was, but I want power and I want pleasure. So I'll marry my brother's wife. I'll just take her. So I want power. I want pleasure. Herod, my God is my stomach, right? Yeah. And then those two things come together. I know this man's holy. I know I want power. And when they came in conflict, I cut John the Baptist's head off. Right. And what it shows you is I'm acknowledging God's on the move, but what I care about my God is my stomach. You don't just mm. love money. I love that money serves me. Yeah. I love that power serves me. I love that pleasure serves me. So he says, I want power and I'll deny demonstrable work of God because I want my power. That was Herod's thing. And he pursued his power through political means. The Pharisees, do you remember when your brother taught it, what happened to them? They come up to Jesus and challenge him. And he says, you guys are not climbing a political ladder. You're climbing a religious one. Yeah. But you are twisting the law to get yourself in a position where you're not taking care of your aging parents yeah. because you said the money's dedicated to God, even though you're using it for yourself. So you guys have created a religious system mm. where you get to spend your money on you. So your God is your stomach. Yeah. Your God, you just want power. You just want pleasure. You're just climbing a different ladder to get it. Mm. And so in both instances, he's like, you've seen the miracles. You've heard the message. You have sufficient data. It's not a lack of inclination mm. or information. It's mm. a lack yeah. of inclination. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to see. You don't want to hear it. And that's where those two of them are alike. They're, their skepticism is because of their selfishness. Mm. They want power because <laughs> I want pleasure. And right, that right. will preach, man, because that's the yeah. whole world right now. I know Jesus is important. I know religion's important. But dude, I'm just trying to get my career. I'm just trying to get that money. I'm just trying to get that job. I'm just trying to... And you're like, do you hear what you're saying? Yeah. I know these are the words of God, but I don't have time for them. 
And so yeah. Jesus runs into this opposition from the Pharisees and he gets on the boat and he's like, <laughs> life processing. And he's like, dudes, just beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. Leaven is something you'd put a little bit in bread and it, it would seep through it's the whole it thing. It's like yeah, inception it just gets in there and poisons it. He's like that little, uh, self-absorbed, self-promoting sickness. Mm. Just be, just beware of that guys. And then what they do is they <laughs> think he's talking about bread. <laughs> yeah. They're like, you didn't bring bread either, man. No one brought. Oh, and he's no. like, are you guys being serious? So he's like, you can't be, do, have you not, how many loaves did you pick up the first time? Yeah. How many loaves did you pick up the second time? Yeah. He's like, this is not, <laughs> oh man, wow. <laughs> this is not a bread thing, boys. Why do you, why do we chase power and money? Let's, let's apply uh-huh. it to us. Why do we chase those things? Yeah. Because we're scared we won't get taken care of. Mm-hmm. Right? That's the sin of the Garden of Eden. I got to snatch that fruit. Why? Because I got to go for mine because mm-hmm. no one's looking out for me. That's the sin that the serpent convinced her of. Yeah. God's not going to take care of you, Eve. You go for yours. This is better. Yeah. Herod's, I'm going for power. Pharisees, I'm going for power. Yeah. And when God's on the move, they don't even want to hear it. Yeah. And so here he's like, guys, I provide. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't, don't miss that. Mm. Trust me, because the more you, you trust who I am, the less you're going to clutch and grab and now the crazy thing is, and to tip the cards of where we're going, you know, on Sunday we'll cover the big climactic moment of Peter's confession. But right after that, uh, the disciples ask, "Who's the greatest?" <laughs> so they do. He's like, "Beware the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod," and they're like, "Right." But if you had to pick one of the greatest, <laughs> yeah, who would? He's like, guys, uh, yeah, just uh, not getting it, just not getting so, it. Yeah, there's this wonderful patience in Jesus. He's like, I'm surrounded by by idiots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only I, me. Right. They're not getting it, you know. Right. But uh, I find it so interesting too. You know, he's talking to him, and he's like, you, you know, do you not remember? Like, don't you guys remember what happened? And he's like, how many this time? Twelve. Yeah. You know, how many this time? Seven. And he's like, you, you don't get it. But it, I, I felt something in that too, just thinking about that reality of like, they, they do remember. Yeah. Like they, you, you guys remember there was 12 baskets. Oh yeah, we remember. Yeah. But you still don't get what it's about. You still don't get that I can provide. You still don't get what's going on here. Yeah. Just because you have that past faithfulness, you have that past. I feel that too. Yeah. It's just, that was thinking about that practically of like, yeah, I can remember, I can write down times that God provided Showed up. and yet yeah. still be like, God, where are you? <laughs> In the same breath, you yeah. know, it, it takes more than just that remembrance. It takes that heart inclination, that faith that he can, he's going to keep doing that. Yes. But we, um, yeah, which is where, and that's where I don't, I mean, you can find that sympathy for the disciples when you look at your own life and yeah. go, okay, anxieties rise when mercies are forgotten. Yeah. And, that's happened to them again and we can laugh at them for forgetting it but you go but we do that i mean god has shown up for us but whenever i hit a new crisis i'm like i'm afraid i'm gonna drown afraid Mm -hmm. i'm gonna die this is the one (laughs) this is the time you forsake me and you're like yeah thank you lord that you're patient and yeah and that's really the story you know at the story at the end is just the two-part miracle there's never been one of those. And it's not that like Jesus was low on juice that morning and it kind of took him two, yeah, I found that know, two jumps yeah, to yeah. get the car started. <laughs> um, it's a, it's symbolic. Most commentators go, there, there's a symbolism here of 
progressive clarity Hmm. because that's the path we're on now. If you've been following along, Jesus was generating energy with the crowd and now he's turning from the crowd and investing in the ones that were following him. Mm-hmm. That fourth soil that it got deep in. He's like, I'm spending more time with the people who you may have questions, you may have uncertainty, but you really want me. You're stumbling, you're a mess, you frequently, but but you have an honest search. Mm-hmm. That's where these mm-hmm. guys are yeah. different from the Pharisees and Herod. Yeah. They didn't want to see, because at the end of the day, they just wanted to go for theirs. Right. It's like, you guys are a mess but there's an honesty to your mess. And I think that's the hope for all of us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, a, I, I hadn't heard that before on the, the looking like trees and then finally getting there. You're like, yeah, what is going on? It's yeah. taking them a couple of tries. But, yeah. And, but and that's those, cool. Mark, that's Mark interesting. He's using that, yeah. it as a narrative device. I mean, I think it really happened, but again, right, right. Jesus healed a lot of people, a right. lot of people. And we have all these summaries where it's like, and he healed everybody in town. Mark picks these cause they, they tell his story really well. I mean, they're, they're kind of these cool metaphor moments. Yeah. He's using them in a bigger way. And uh, and again, I think it gives hope to us because these disciples stumble along with Jesus, but they're going to change the world. And yeah. if the heroes once looked like us, then we can look like heroes. Right. And that's, that's the awesome. hope we have, right? That's great, man. Yeah. But I'm excited about this Sunday, man. Studying this got me fired up. It's going to be good. Yeah. I'm excited about it. Um, well, this has been awesome. Thanks, Ben. Uh, I, I'm excited to hear what we're going to talk about on Sunday. I'm excited to get into it, yeah. but also just helpful to walk into the week going like, uh, I can trust God, but I also can look at this text and be reminded like, what does it look like to remember the main thing, keep the main thing, the main thing yeah. all throughout this whole thing. It's like, you have people missing it and people getting it, people missing it, people getting yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like, man, uh, staying in this has helped you kind of keep your eyes on what matters most. Yeah, man. Um, Well, and that's a good encouragement just for all of you listening, just um, is that asking that question, am I I missing Jesus because I'm so wrapped up in pursuing what I think will give me power, control, pleasure? Mm. Beware of that leaven. It it comes in little, but it grows. And then just also having the grace for yourself, but I can stumble in and struggle and he will progressively lead me by the hand. And so... Um, maybe we just pray to close out, but it sounds great. Lord, I just thank you uh, for John. Thanks for this chance to visit. Thank you that you so faithfully recorded your word for us so that we can see. And I pray we would be stumbling along with your disciples, uncertain, fearful, but clinging to you. And Lord, soften our hearts. If we have a soil that's resistant to your word, because we just want what we want. Um, God, we pray for us. May we run far from the leaven of the Pharisees and Herod. And God, we just ask you to progressively and certainly give us eyes to see what you're up to in the world today. Give us ears that are attentive to your word today. And I pray we'd be people walking in step with you in a day where people desperately need to see the hope and life of Jesus working through us. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's ExtraCast, be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at passioncitychurch.com or download the Passion Movement app. And again, thanks for listening to the Passion City Church DC podcast.